journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavua Tov, and I hope that you have your seatbelt on because we are going to go on a trip of a lifetime. Welcome to Chai FM. And welcome to Learning Torah with me for the next hour, hopefully. Uh, you'll join me in understanding more the, the secrecies and the, the, the insights, the mystical insights into the verses of the Torah that we often just take for granted, but really are a well of incredible information and inspiration. We are currently learning the book of Genesis. We are in chapter 21. We are going to start on verse 9. It is Parashat Vayera, and it is quite a dramatic parasha from the time that God um, appeared to Avraham and helped him with his bris to the news of having the birth of Yitzchak to the destruction of Storm to the incestuous relationship with Lot and the daughters back to Avraham then what happened to him with um, with uh, with Abimelech um, and now and then then Yitzchak being born and then we are we, we land up in um, the whole story of 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 uh, Yitzhak. Last week we were discussing the story of Yitzhak um, having a bris and a big big party. We are now going to continue on uh, the story, and we are going to see what actually happens to Abraham's half brother. We're going to be talking about Yishmael. Yishmael was the son of Hagar. Hagar was a maid servant of Sarah. Hagar became the maidservant of Sarah. She, in fact, was a princess from Pharaoh. Um, going back now to Parashat Lech Lecha, when Abraham and Sarah left down to Egypt um, because of the famine, they had a similar incident as we discussed with Abimelech. Sarah was taken to the palace. Pharaoh was punished, and at the end, everything ended up well. And um, uh, Pharaoh was healed, and one of the gifts, many of one of the many gifts that he gave Abraham, is that he gave his daughter Hagar to Sarah as a maidservant. And when Sarah realized that she couldn't fall pregnant, she in fact gave her maidservant to Abraham, and from that union was born Hagar. Now, the relationship between Sarah and Hagar was always a very tenuous one. Back in chapter 16, Hagar ran away from um, Sarah, and we are told that God came to Hagar and said, you have to go back and you have to submit yourself and you have to um, remain in the house of Sarah. That is um, what your fate is. And in fact, she goes back. And there was all that tension simply because Hagar gave birth to Yishmael, and it was kind of like a terrible mockery on Sarah that she, in fact, couldn't fall pregnant and she couldn't give birth to, to, to any children. Now what happens is that the whole um, wheel of fortune changed. Sarah has this miraculous birth at the age of 90. She gives birth to Yitzchak, and as we've discussed in previous um, shows, uh, Yitzhak brought a lot, a lot of blessing to the world. Um, he was completely miraculous. 
He looked exactly like Avraham, so there was no question. Some people were saying that Sarah had cohorted with Avimelech, which wasn't true. And he has a bris. Um, he's a fully-fledged Jew um, at eight days old, and then when he is weaned, he throws another huge party. So you can just imagine, just in terms of the dynamics of what was going on, um, now from being Hagar maidservant to, to Abraham and having a child, um, she kind of sidelines. Now, what happens when people don't understand each other is that there is there tends to be a lot of negative play out, and this is what we are going to see now happening, um, in fact, in this relationship. So anybody who'd like to follow in, we're on chapter 21, verse 9. And just before we start, a reminder, if you have any questions, any comments that you'd like to make on what you're hearing right now, you can SMS on 34519, and uh, they will forward me the question or comment that you would like to share. So verse chapter 21, verse 9 reads as follows, Vatere Sarah et ben Hagar ha-mitzrit, Sarah now sees the son that Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham. She sees that he was Mitzachek, he was fooling around. Now, we know Yishmael was 14 years old when Yitzchok was born. And as teenagers um, are wont, and I guess due to hormonal rushes and other other circumstances, um, he started behaving very, very badly, Yishmael. We're told that he actually committed three terrible, terrible sins. The first was that he started um, indulging himself in the perverse act of adultery. He was raping and seducing married women. Um, he was um, bowing down to idols. He was practicing idolatry. We are told that as a young child, he built an altar to one of the local idols, and he would catch grasshoppers, and he would sacrifice them. And then we're also told that he was attempting to murder. And who was he attempting to murder? He was trying to kill his half-brother Yitzchak. He would play war war with Yitzchak and shoot real arrows at, at him. And... Um, he was uh, he was messing around. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, um, who we just celebrated the the festival of Lagba Omer, the mystic sage, goes and says the three the opinion that he was committing these three terrible cl- uh, crimes: adultery, idolatry, and murder, could not have been so because he was he was still in Abraham's house. And those type of things, that, that type of immorality would never ever have been committed. But in fact, when it says that he was mitzachek, he was fooling around, uh, what he was actually fooling around with was his claiming his right of, of inheritance. Um, so what was his claim? So we know that the Torah says that if one has two wives, one that he doesn't like and one that he does like, if a child is born of the one that he doesn't like, nevertheless, they, he is considered the firstborn, and the firstborn must receive a double portion. And since Yishmael therefore claimed, since I am Abraham's firstborn, it is I who should receive the majority of the inheritance, 
and Yitzhak should only receive a trifle. So there is a disagreement between the rabbis as to who, who, who's fighting about what, whether it was over the inheritance or whether behaving very badly. Needless to say, it became an untenable situation and something had to be done about it. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back and we are looking at the whole story now that kind of has gone belly flop for Hagar and her son Yishmael. Whether Yishmael was haggling over inheritance or Yishmael was haggling um, because he was behaving very badly, Sarah saw the writing on the wall and tells Avraham that now is the time that they go their separate ways. So we're looking in chapter 21, verse 10. Avraham, she says to Avraham, this is Sarah speaking, Garesh ha'ama hazot, drive out the slave, ve'et bena, together with her son, Kilo Yirash ben Ha'ama Hazot in Bani im Yitzchak. She, the son of the slave, will not share the inheritance with my son Yitzchak. Now, as I mentioned before, there is no differentiation according to the laws of inheritance made between a worthy son and an unworthy son. If a man has two sons, one who is good and one who is bad, he may not disinherit the bad one, not even to give his property to the good one. But here this was not about two sons um, of two wives, but rather a son of a wife, meaning Sarah, and uh, the other of a maidservant. He did not marry Hagar at this point in time. So according to Halakha and according to what God said himself, is that Yitzhak alone was considered Abraham's child and that Yitzhak would inherit. So this was God's will, and even if it does on some level look like it contradicts the Halakha, this is what God wanted. Um, another thing just to mention is that some of the rabbis say he was arguing about inheritance, but it wasn't about money, but it rather was the spiritual inheritance. This seemed very bad to Abraham because this, in fact, was his son. So you can just imagine that this actually put Abraham in a very insidious position. Obviously, Abraham went to God to ask what to do. God says to Abraham, do not consider this bad, Alanar, for the boy. Do not consider this bad for the boy, the Al Amasecha, and for your slave woman. Call Asher Tomar Elecha Sarah. Everything that Sarah has said to you, Shema Bekola, listen to her voice. Kibi Yitzchak Ikare Lechazara, because through Yitzchak you will have said to have offspring. Vegam et Ben Haama. But to the son, your, your, the, the son of your slave, Legoe Asimena, I will make him into a great nation, Kizarachahu, because he is your offspring. Now there's many, many things to discuss over here. The first uh, and foremost is that you can see Abraham goes to God to, to question Sarah's decision, and God says very famous words, Everything that Sarah says to you, listen to her voice. Now, this is something that 
the rabbis um, use a lot when it comes to, to marriages. Generally, it says, listen to your wife. She knows what she is saying. And um, it holds water because a woman does have a, generally a bina yatera, a, a, a second sense, and like a, a more spiritual soul, and will actually understand um, things that don't look just as being black and white. Um, there's only one caveat out there in case I've got any outra- outraged husbands, um, is that the woman needs to be righteous. Um, and we know when it came to Sarah, Sarah, her prophecy was on a higher level than Yitzchak's. So um, we, over here, where God says you should listen to Sarah um, and do everything that she says, he's putting his stamp of approval on Sarah and saying that she has much greater, high, she's got much higher prophecy. What she's seeing is 100% right and you should let him go. That is the first thing. The second thing is that God does not deny an inheritance to Yishmael, but promises Abraham that because he is of his seed, that he still does come from Abraham, and Abraham is his father, that he indeed will become a great nation. Now we know that Yishmael is the father of the Arab world, and we can see that that in fact um, has happened to this day, that they are a great nation, there were many, and they were very, very, very prosperous. Nevertheless, we can still see as well prophetically that the tension between our half-brothers, the Ishmaelim, and the Jews is something that is still ongoing, and it seems to be a thematic and um, indelible mark on the relationship between the descendants of Yitzchak and the descendants of Yishmael, and will only eventually be resolved with the arrival of Mashiach. That explains to a large extent on a spiritual level why there is so much tension regarding the land of Israel. In truth, if it was just about land, and this we can base it on the third opinion where they were fighting about inheritance, but it wasn't a physical inheritance because Sarah didn't care for money. She was talking about the spiritual inheritance of, of Abraham. So if we look at the conflict that we have today, we will see very much that which Sarah saw in the dynamics of what was happening in the house playing out in today's world. Okay, Israel is no greater than the size of New Jersey or the size of Kruger National Park. It is a tiny, tiny piece of land. I was reading the other day that you can fly from um, west to east in eight minutes and from north to south, I think it is, in 30 minutes. You could just cover the entire land. It's a tiny piece of land. Um, it, it, it was a very inhospitable land for, 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 for hundreds of years. Okay. Um, and it is a, it is, it, 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 it's small in comparison to the lands that the Yishmaelim, that the Arab world have. It is also small in terms of natural resources. Um, it is small on, on every level that you look at. Nevertheless, still today, in the year 2025-780 on the calendar, so we're talking maybe like 4,000 4, years worth, we still have tension that all the Yishmaelim want to do is wipe Israel off the map. 
and take Israel back for them. So the reason why no political or economic solution can ever be made or come um, to any type of fruition is because this isn't an argument about a physical piece of land. This isn't an argument about economic cooperation. This isn't an argument about anything about borders. This is a indelible argument that started now in chapter 21 of Genesis and has been inbred. It's, it's genetic. It is in there that there won't be too much peace and that the the behavior of both sides will always be at, at in, in um, there'll be a tension um, between the children of Yitzhak and the children of Ishmael till the end of days. Um, not reconcilable by any logical, practical negotiating team. Doesn't matter who you will bring in. So Abraham recognizes that Sarah um, is, is is correct because God tells her to. So what does he do? Verse 14, Vayashkem Abraham Baboker. Abraham gets up in the, early in the morning. Vayikach lechem vechemas mayim. He takes bread and he gives a skin of water. Vayiten el Hagar. He gives it to Hagar. Sam al Shikma. And he places it on her shoulder. Vetayeled. And she, he places, sorry, he places the, 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 the boy on, on her shoulder. Vayishalcheha vatelach. And she sends her away, and she leaves. She leaves, but she has nowhere ready to go, and so she roams around aimlessly um, in the desert of Be'er Sheva. So when we talk about Abraham um, sending her away, it says that he gave her like a, a, um, a bill of divorce, or he like freed her. And he gave her food and water. And um, we are told, really, the truth be said, that if you actually follow the timeline, if Yishmael was 14 years old when Yitzchak was born, then this happened after uh, three years. That means, because that's when the second party happened with Yitzchak, that means now Yishmael was 17 years old. So... The question is, why did he place it on her shoulder along with the lad, meaning that it looked like he was incapable? So we're told that 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 Yishmael was was spiritually, emotionally incapable of functioning by himself, meaning that he 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 didn't have he hadn't matured, didn't have the capacity to 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 function. The water in the skin became used up, and then they land up obviously, obviously um, becoming very, very thirsty. They're sitting in a desert. We're told that Yishmael started running a fever, and he had consumed all, all the water. So what was the reaction of Hagar? She takes the boy and she throws him under one of the bushes. Now, this is probably the most gobsmacking, exasperating, oh my goodness moments in, in, uh, in the Bible. 
why would a mother, when she sees her son struggling and suffering, take him and throw him under one of the bushes? Even more, Vatelech, and then she goes away, Vateshev Lami Neged Harchek Kim Tachavei Keshet, she leaves, she leaves him and she walks away from him, approximately a bow shoot away. Okay, so she actually leaves him under the bridge. Ki Abra, so, and she says, Al Hayeled, I don't want to see the boy dying. She sits facing him and she's weeping in a loud voice. Now, rabbis tell us that this was the same place that she had earlier seen the four angels. If you go look in chapter 16 of Genesis verse 7, when she ran away from Sarah um, and she found herself in the, in the desert, same, same situation, um, the angels came to her and they said to her, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you crying? And they said, they said to her then, where are you coming and where are you going? And they said, she said, I'm running away from my mistress Sarah. And the angel says, return to your mistress and submit herself to her and do not worry. I will make your offspring numerous. There'll be many that you'll not be able to be counted and you'll be pregnant. You'll have a son. You'll name him Yishmael. Yishmael means and God will hear your suffering. But, he will be a rebel, and his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. So here again, a couple of um, chapters later, there she is again in the same place where she had early seen the four angels. She stuck her son under the shade of the tree, walked, walked away about two miles. That's as far as uh, an archer can shoot an arrow, and she starts to weep. Because she says, is this the promise that I received 17 years ago where I fled from my, from Sarah, my mistress, and I was promised that you would make my offspring numerous and there would be many, they would not be counted. Now look at this. Um, he is dying of thirst and nothing is going to come of him. Now here's the interesting thing. God hears the cry of the boy. Vayikra Malach Elokim El Hagar, God cry, the angel of God calls out to Hagar, Mina Shamayim from heaven, Vayomerla, and says to her, Malach Hagar, what is with you, Hagar? Altir e, do not fear, Kishama Elokim et Kol Hanar, Ba'asher Husham, for God has heard the boy's voice in the place where he is. Now here's an interesting thing. Malachagar, Hagar, what is with you? Um, it seems like a quite a heavier blow or insinuation of, of, of rebuke on Sarah. What is with you, Sarah? I mean, Hagar, because that in truth is really what is so preposterous about the story. Which mother dumps a child and walks away? However painful and however terrible, okay, a, a child is a child. No, 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 um, normal, stable mother will walk away from a child when the child is suffering. On the contrary. So Malach Hagar is actually a rebuke. 
Like, what are you doing, Hagar? What are you thinking? How can you actually behave the way you are behaving? You need to go and look after your child. If God gave you that promise, that promise is going to come true. And instead of you being selfish and thinking about yourself or being overwhelmed by yourself for your feelings, that is the wrong um, expression right now. That's the wrong way to behave. On the contrary, you need to look outward and go care for your son and, and watch, you know, go, go, go. Heal him and help him and do whatever it is that is needed. A very, very powerful message um, to, in a sense, if I can put it in inverted commas, delinquent parents that have no compassion, no understanding that children are in their care and that they need to do everything they can in order to ensure that their children remain healthy and well. So, Mala Haga, Haga, what are you doing? What, what, what is wrong with you? Um, you need to change your ways. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Well, welcome back. And we're at the point now where the angel of God is actually pointing out Hagar and saying, why are you so selfish? Because if you follow on the reading, it says, Kumi se'i esanar. Rise, lift up the lad. And hold him tight with your hand. Because I will make him into a great nation. God opened up her eyes. She sees a well of water. So she goes and she fills up the skin of water. And she gives it to the lad to drink. We are told that uh, there was a well even before the angel came to speak to her. But Hagar was so self-involved in herself that she failed to actually see that she could go out and help somebody else. She was really being stuck in self-pity, in anger about her situation. Um, she threw her child out of frustration, says the Midrash, because she said, why should I have more pity on him than his father? And she was ready to abandon her dying son in the desert and run away and marry another man. For her, from her point of view, she felt that Abraham should take care of him and should take responsibility of what would happen. And hence, we understand even further why it says, what is wrong with you? And this is a huge, huge lesson for us to always understand. And I think it's a lesson that we, that, that we've had multiple times now in Corona. Are we in difficult situations? We definitely are. Are everybody's situations different? They are. And many, many times, um, in many conversations I know that I've had, I've heard people complain, but you, but she, but he is much better. This is the worst. And then when you try to shift that per- person's perspective and show them that, in fact, their situation isn't so bad, that there are many situations far worse than that, the person will find another but and another negation as to why it is so wrong. And this really is a human condition that we need to work on and we need to um, 
expand from, from, from our psyche and rather be and turn into grateful human beings where we're grateful for what we have as opposed to always looking at the glass half full and seeing what we don't have. Because when we sit in a situation where we see what we don't have, we land up in a situation like Hagar that even though a well was in front of her eyes, in fact it was a miraculous well we are told it was created during the twilight of creation, especially for her, um, if she had not being so self-consuming, she would actually have seen that she could have saved her son. So God had to bring that to her attention and kind of wrap her over the knuckles and say, what is it that you're thinking over here? Um, I made you a promise, and you should be extending yourself outward, not inward. By he Elohim Esanar, God was in fact with the boy. By Yigdal, and he grew up. By Yeshiv Midbar, he lived in the desert. By he Roive Kashet, he became an expert archer. By Yeshiv Midbar Paran, he settled in the Paran desert. By Tikach Lo Imo Isham Eretz Mitzrayim, and his wife brought him a, his mother brought him a wife, got him a wife from the land of Egypt. Now we know again that Hagar was an Egyptian. She took Ishmael to Egypt. And she married him off there. But when she went back to Egypt, she actually um, landed up becoming exactly like the Egyptians, Egyptians once again. We're told that Yishmael had four sons and a daughter. And after some time, they left Egypt together with his mother and the family. And they lived in the desert as nomads. And that's where they raised sheep. And in Abraham's merit, they became highly, highly successful. Now, there's an interesting story, which I guess will be in two parts, uh, because we're going to have to have a break in between. We're told that time passed, and Abraham once said to Sarah, I'd like to go and see my son Ishmael that, that I drove away. He, he is, after all, my son, and I want to see what, what has become of him. Go in peace, replied Sarah, but promise me you will not descend from your camel to, or, to enter his tent. Go and see how he is and return immediately. So Abraham made that promise to Sarah that he would do just that. He chose a fast camel. He went into the desert to find Ishmael, and he heard that he lived in a tent in the desert, but he didn't know where. Finally, we are told that at noon, he came to his tent in the heat of the day and he found Ishmael's wife and children at home. Where is Ishmael? Um, Abraham asked. They said, he's not at home. He probably went hunting with his mother. So Abraham said to his granddaughter, my daughter, may I have some water? I'm deathly thirsty from the road. Water? Water he wants, replied the young girl. I don't give anyone, I don't have anyone to give you water. Soon you'll be asking for bread. Go, go on your way. Be gone. Go on your way. And when Abraham um, saw how disrespectfully she spoke um, of her husband and of her father and how inhospitable was, um, she said, sorry, this was the wife that spoke like this. Uh, Abraham said to, to uh, Ishmael's uh, wife, when your husband returns, tell him an old man came from the land of Plishtim and tell him that the old man suggested that he change his doorway since it no longer functions correctly. Tell him to replace it with another. And with that, Abram turned around, 
and headed home. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Okay, I've got a couple of minutes and I'm going to finish the story. So Yishmael comes back to, um, comes back and his wife tells him of the strange incident and message. Yishmael, as we know, was highly intelligent. He immediately understood that Avram, his father, had visited him and that his wife had not shown him proper respect. So he understood that um, Avram was really talking about his wife. So we are told that he divorces this wife and he goes to Canaan, Canaan, to find a new bride and he marries a, a Canaanite woman, interestingly the Midrash tells us, whose name was Fatima. And he brings her home to his tent. And after three years, Abraham returns again, just as he did the first time. And he finds Abraham's, I mean, Ishmael's new wife. And again, he wasn't at home. But when she sees an old man come to the door, asking for a husband, she says, he's not at home now. He went out to hunt, but no matter. Come, rest in our house, eat a bit, because surely you're tired from your journey. But Abraham, remember, had made a promise to Sarah that he wouldn't descend from his camel. So he replies, I cannot wait or stay because the way is far. I am an old man and I want to get home. But just give me a little bit of water to refresh me since I am extremely thirsty. So Fatima rushed and brought Abraham a tray fitted with the best food and drink. He ate heartily. He blessed her. And then he said, when Yishmael returns home, tell him an old man came to visit him from the land of the Plishtim, of the Philistines. This is the second time I came without finding him. But now I say the door of his tent is very good, and he should be careful not to exchange it for another. And when Yishmael came home and heard this, he was very glad that his wife had shown proper respect to his father, and he was also very happy to hear that. His father, in fact, loved him and had come to visit him. And on that day, he and his families moved to the land of the Plishtik where he could be near his father, and he remained there for 26 years. And that really, in a sense, closes uh, the chapter on Yishmael to a large extent, a very, very interesting one, um, as we discussed in the beginning, and a conflict that still very much plays out on the stage of history, only to be resolved um, during and on arrival of Mashiach. And with that, I leave you with, the, with, with these ideas and thoughts. Thank you for joining me, and please, God, I will be back, same time, same place, next week. Shavuot Tov.